0: All right, glad you're with us. 134 days. Scott Shannon is right till you, we, the American people, you get to make the, the decision. You're the decider, you're the ultimate jury. It is in your hands. It is your power, not mine. And the only thing we can do is make you uh, an informed voter as best we can. You know, I find it ironic. This and this is this sweet justice in all of this, because I, I watched all weekend, the mob, the media, Donald Trump. Was supposed to have millions and millions of people show up and they didn't he didn't quite fill the arena. And it's I'm like, OK, I happen to watch the speech and the people that went enjoyed it. Here's the great irony. Just got the ratings in. <laughs> this is Fox News alone. Now, online, uh, according to, I guess, the, the Trump camp. And they said just their online services was what, four or five million. Fox News alone had seven point seven million viewers. And for making Saturday night's rally the highest-rated Saturday night program in Fox News history. In other words, now it's hard. So you think about this: East Coast time eight o'clock, West Coast time five o'clock on a on a Saturday night. I would assume people are busy. I'd assume people now are getting out a little more than they were. I would assume that they're not glued to the television sets. Nope. It was a whopping 7.7 million viewers. That's for the two hours that were tuned in during the president's remark, making it the most watched in the network's history during that time period, according to the early Nielsen data. And sometimes it goes up from there. We'll find out. And, you know, with DVR viewing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And by the way, Trump's State of the Union, the only other telecast on Fox in 2020 to outdraw that number from saturday and that was 8.2 so it was nearly a record completely all across the board, a record and you know there were a lot of other things going on here and i find it amazing now here's one question when is joe biden ever going when has he done a press conference he doesn't do them when is joe biden done an event he doesn't barely do those either as Terry McCullough says, oh, I'm fine. Joe with the Joe in the base. I'm fine. He can stay there. He only sees two people a day. He's two body men. Um, and I I did. You just see the fake fraudulent media. Now, we also are, you know, there's the media went crazy over Donald Trump having a rally in the middle of coronavirus. But for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, the hypocritical media said nothing zero about The fact that all of these uh, protests were going around the country. Now, there were peaceful protesters, but there were also a lot of people that were looting. A lot of people that were throwing rocks and bottles and bricks and Molotov cocktails at the police. And now we're, we're getting close to 900 cops injured and some dead. And we have one paralyzed from the neck down. And very little coverage. There was no coverage. Well, what about the coronavirus during the protest? Soon as Donald Trump. Now, if Donald Trump would have called it a protest in Oklahoma instead of a rally, I'm sure they would have been fine with it, right? But this is, some, this is, this is typical of the mob in the media. This is who they are. They, they have picked a side. And they picked the side in 2016. And they picked the side. And they're even more, more irrational about Donald Trump every second minute hour of every day. There's nothing that Donald Trump could ever do that will be right in their minds. That's what is at stake. Listen, I feel very passionately about where we're headed as a country here. If we don't get this right. And that's why, you know, I want everybody to be informed. I have never in my life thought it could get this bad. But I am going to tell you something. You know, all the talk, where's Biden? He's hiding in the basement. I'm fine with him in the basement with 134 days to go until Election Day and that he can't get out, he couldn't get a crowd of his life dependent on it. Either Hillary Clinton was never allowed to get able to get crowds, nor did she ever have any ratings like that just doing any rally, any place, anywhere. It never happened. You know, and I listen to all these Democrats, all these big cities, and we're going to get into all the violence that took place over the weekend. Well, Joe Biden's been in politics 51 years Look at his comments on race and segregation and and so on and so forth. His praise of of segregationists. Nobody says a word. What has he done to make this country a better place? Define it for me. Because I can make the case about Donald Trump. You know, we can go through point by point. The judges he said he'd appoint, he's appointed. They wouldn't help him, but he found a way to build the wall and he's building it. You know, he better trade deals, Japan, China, Mexico, Canada, our European allies taken on NATO. He kept his promises. He's also pulled out of these endless conflicts and wars, but that's not in any way taken away his commitment on foreign policy because he beat the caliphate in Syria that Biden and Obama didn't dare take on because they had handcuffs and rules of engagement on the military. He took out Baghdadi and company and all his top leaders, took out Soleimani on a on, on the tarmac of an airport. He took out the, the Al Qaeda leader in Yemen, took that person out as well. You know, what, what did Joe and Barack do? Lowest unemployment rate record after record after record, the lowest on record. Unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African-American youth unemployment. Biden and Obama, they have a record on foreign policy. That would be the cargo plane full of cash and other currency on the tarmac in in Iran. Got nothing in return for that. Their policy with Russia was obvious. Tell Vladimir I'll have more flexibility after the election. We know is their policy on Ukraine fire that prosecutor who's investigating my zero experience son or you're not getting the billion dollars and and you got six hours to do it and and by golly they did it you know um that's joe biden china well joe takes zero experience hunter there too he gets a billion five ultimately from the bank of china i don't see any experience in that field of endeavor either You know, to get lectured on the the status of cities that these cities have been run into the ground for decades by liberal Democrats in in Chicago, in New York, in Illinois and and New York City, cities and states run run for decades by liberal Democrats. That would be the same out in California. That'd be the same in in Washington state. We're going to get to that violence. What has Joe done in 51 years? Chuck Schumer's been in politics 45 years. Nancy Pelosi, 33 years. Patrick Leahy, 54 years. Maxine Waters, 47 years. Dianne Feinstein, 60 years. And everything is Donald Trump's fault? I don't think so. And then you look at the the utter hypocrisy of the mob and the media you know, why aren't they asking about the size of Joe's rallies? When are they going to demand Joe do a press conference? When are they, you know, why is it they cared about a phone call with Zelensky and ignored quid pro quo Joe bragging about it on tape? And we now know zero experience, Hunter made millions, leveraging, you know, a billion taxpayer dollars. How is it we don't hear a peep about you know, coronavirus and the dangers of protesters. But if you have a rally, that's all the mob talks about. And it goes same with Russia. They cared so much about Russian interference. Well, there was Russian interference. There was a dirty Russian dossier, misinformation, Russian misinformation from the get-go that was used to spy on a presidential candidate transition team and presidency. They don't utter a word about that. If you're interested in terms of this primary season, it's one thing I guess I don't think media polls are particularly good at measuring anything in voter enthusiasm. Uh, we do know over a million however many people wanted to go to Tulsa. I can't give you the exact reason why the you know stadium wasn't or the arena didn't get full up, but I can imagine the impact of you know all the the social Uh, unrest in the country that led up to it the coronavirus concerns are real for a lot of people Um, but if you look at for example 23 of the 27 states that have held primaries both this year and in 2012 when Obama was up for re-election well President Trump he had no competition he has racked up higher raw vote totals than Obama did often doubling and tripling his predecessor's numbers His primary vote totals also beat out President 43, Bush's in 2004. As a matter of fact, the the high turnout for Trump, what does that show? People didn't need to show up and vote, you know, for Donald Trump in these primaries. In Michigan's March primary, Trump got 639,144 votes. Well, go back when Barack Obama in 2012 was running for re-election. He only got 174,054 Six hundred thirty-nine, hundred seventy-four thousand. A few weeks later Trump scored 713,546 votes in Ohio, more than twice Obama's total uh in 2012 of 285,990. Now uh, I I mean Wisconsin, same thing, 616,000 versus 293,000. You know, state after state. We don't see Joe Biden, they they have a double standard, Trump should have just called it a protest and he would have been fine to have a rally in Oklahoma. What does Joe do? Well, even his own supporters are saying they hope he stays in the basement. You know, the media, I mean, although the media really is getting John Bolton. I mean, I have quotes of John Bolton on president Trump on China. Nobody's been tougher. President Trump on North Korea. He's not making the same mistakes as past presidents on Iran on NATO, on nuclear weapons, and on Russia, praising the president. The exact opposite of what he says in his book. And then he said, well, I'm not voting for either Joe or am I voting for uh, Trump? Okay, that's a half a vote for Joe. Then, uh, John Bolton, go sell all the books you can because you contradict yourself left and right and all uh, upside down and sideways, whatever the reason. And I know certain things you said to me weren't uh, exactly honest. John Bolton and you lobbied everybody in their in their son and brother and grandmother and grandfather for that job. And then you couldn't get along with anybody. And Mike Pompeo calling you a liar is a pretty big deal. And I know certain times you aren't honest with me, but whatever. I mean, that's life. Nobody's perfect. Um, you look at, you know, all of these things, you know, that that the double standard, these are the forces, real forces against this president leading into this election. Now, when I go over the violence from this weekend and a crime spree, Chicago, Seattle, Minneapolis, New York City, you get into these numbers. And then, of course, we had Seattle, the CHOP zone, the CHAZ zone, the autonomous zone, the summer of love zone, the spaghetti potluck dinner zone. Yeah, well, what happened this weekend? And the cops couldn't even get to the person that was shot immediately. You have a deadly weekend in, in Seattle, Chicago, Minneapolis, New York City. All huge, massive upticks. Why do you think all of these cities run by liberal mayors and, and liberal governors for all these years have been incapable of dealing with and solving simple, fundamental problems of safety and security? We're the United States of America. I think we're all pretty smart people. I think that we, if we wanted to solve problems, we could solve them. But they, didn't do, they don't do anything. But yet they talk every two and four years, don't they? We get every two and four years, same cards are played. Race card, racist, sexist, misogynist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, dirty air, water, and kill grandma and grandpa. That's it. What have they done? Nothing to help. But I'll tell you, everything, including your freedom, your liberties, America as we know it, is in play. And what has made this country great, what would keep this country great, is in play in 134 days. Think I'm. I think this is hyperbole on my part. It is not. All right, as we roll along, 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of the uh, program? And all right, look at Seattle. Look at what happened this weekend. How sad this is in the autonomous Chop Chaz uh, zone, Summer of Love zone, Spaghetti Potluck Dinner zone. One person shot on Sunday night inside of Seattle's uh, autonomous zone. And the Seattle police said in a tweet that one person suffered a gunshot wound while inside the area and that a second shooting may have taken place. And on Saturday, a 19 year old man was killed after a shooting took place inside the zone. And officers responding to the shooting said they had trouble getting to the scene because they were met by a violent crowd that prevented officers from. Safe access to the victims. Okay, where's the summer of love, mayor? The mayor's promised us the summer of love zone. How long is this going to last? Could be a summer of love. It's the spaghetti potluck dinner zone. What did CNN fake news say? Festive new festive zone. MSD say festive zone. While they're giving reports on the festive zone, the the festivers or whatever you want to call them, the festive people in this autonomous zone are telling them, no, this isn't a festive zone. In Chicago, 12 miners shot uh, among the 102 shot. 102 people, 14 fatally. Hmm. Run by decades of liberalism. A lot of good that's done. This is a microcosm of what America will get if you don't re elect this president. Now, they don't want his help in Chicago or Seattle or New York City. They could certainly use it. 104 shot, 14 killed in Chicago. Oh. New York cops are now calling New York City a war zone, I'll explain. A second person shot outside the Wendy's where Rayshard Brooks uh, died uh, after, you know, he resisted arrest. And in that case, we're going to examine some of the, quote, law and evidence in it when we come back and much more. All right, 25 till the top of the uh hour. He is using it, Scott. This guy never leaves his bed. Ba- I'm fine with him in my basement. Let him stay in the basement. Unbelievable. Well, he only sees two guys a day. It's two bodymen. That's all he sees. That's perfect. That's a perfect situation for Joe Biden. Um, let me deal very quickly with the Southern District of New York. This blew up late on uh, Friday night, and this issue involving Jeffrey Berman. He was an interim appointment. He was not meant to keep this job. Now, let me just lay this foundation. Any U.S. attorney works with at the pleasure of the president, and. For example, you can go back to the Obama years, they fired all the U.S. attorneys. I think one of the biggest mistakes Donald Trump made, if he made, you know, one huge error, it was that he didn't fire everybody. He should have cleaned out all Obama political holdovers as possible, just gotten rid of them all. And I think future presidents on both parties should just do that, get rid of them, in my opinion, because, you know, we see the damage of holdovers in the Trump administration and Anyway, so it's an, it was an interim appointment. Now the Wall Street Journal has actually shed some light on what really happened, and that this, everyone kept speculating. Well, this is because he's investigating uh, the president, and no, nothing is going to stop stop him. Now he since is gone, but the president gets to appoint the attorney for the Southern District of New York. It's one of the more highly prestigious and, and most important prosecutor jobs in and and areas of the country. Um, people like Andy McCarthy, people like Rudy Giuliani come out of there. other great prosecutors, both on the left and on the right. It's neither here nor there. But, you know, the he wouldn't apparently, according to The Wall Street Journal, sign a letter that he was that was critical of Mayor uh, Comrade de Blasio and his handling of everything that's been happening, which, by the way, is warranted. You know, anyway, so the president, so this, this all goes down with Bill Barr and Bill Barr actually said the following over the weekend that nobody paid any attention to. Well, if you, if anybody here, if any of any prosecutor feels any inappropriate outside pressure of any kind to not do a full thorough investigation into any matter, I am authorizing you to go directly to the inspector general, Michael Horowitz and report such pressure. Okay, so that kind of blows this narrative out of the water that that the that this was about political pressure to stop an investigation into Trump. As a matter of fact, there's been nothing but investigations into Donald Trump every every second since he came down the the escalator at Trump Tower with Melania and Andy McCarthy was just on TV rightly saying that I don't think the Southern District of New York would tolerate any pressure and I don't think most. You know, most prosecutors are, are swayed that way. Now, there are, p- are prosecutors that abuse their authority. There's prosecutorial abuse. And I think that happens more often than we need to look at. I, I think this whole notion of offering people anything of value to turn on another person, a bigger fish. I know that it's worked well in mob cases in particular that, OK, well, you killed 21 people, Sammy the Bull or however many people it was. I don't remember the exact number. And, uh, but we'll give you a witness protection program, uh, get out of jail free card. If you just give us uh, the name of John Gotti, that happens too. Well, that is your life. That is a thing of great value and worth. Okay. What do you want me to say? We know that that was part of the pressure that general Flynn faced as his attorney, Sidney Powell has said many times on this program. Well, you know, we didn't think you lied The guys, the agents, the FBI agents interrogating you think you didn't lie when you got ambushed on the fourth day of the Trump administration on January 24th. uh, We didn't think you lacked candor. We had the whole phone call. There was nothing inappropriate. Now, we all know in the phone call with Kislyak, his soon-to-be counterpart, then we have the new House Intelligence Committee information that even people like Rice and Samantha Power said they did the same kind of outreach before they actually made it to the Obama administration. But again, there's there's this double standard thing again, uh, if it's anything, Trump. So if anyone that works in the Southern District of New York, if, I'm sure that they would rightly so if they felt political pressure uh, on an investigative matter. I think they would would go ahead and tell the inspector general, the inspector general will be thorough and investigate as Michael Horowitz has shown he's capable of doing and being. So we'll put that to rest. We'll get to this issue of John Bolton. Uh, in a little bit, too. We have KT McFarland. I mean, I, I, it's pretty remarkable because, you know, I've no, known John Bolton for a lot of years. Uh, he's a tough guy to deal with, difficult personality. I don't dislike him. Um, but for everything that he's now saying in his book and the whole issue of the book, what's the name of the book? Uh, inside where it, a room where it happened. Well, if you're inside a room and something's happening that you think is inappropriate, my first question is. Why didn't you speak up then? Why didn't you say it right there? Hey, guys, whoa, stop, time out. You can't do this because that's what you're supposed to do. That's what advisors are supposed to do. He's a national security advisor to the president. But apparently he's in the room and says nothing except goes back to his office and writes notes about what he'll say down the line. Now, John Bolton lobbied heavily for that job, and I know for a fact that's true. And I had a number of conversations that... I recall and I can tell you he was less than candid with me. Let's let's just put it charitably. He wasn't honest with me in things that he said to me. But that's neither here nor there. In his own words, he praises the no president's been tougher on China than Donald Trump. Well, that contradicts what he's reporting in the book. The same thing that I've seen no evidence of the president being anything but strong with Russia same goes for Iran, and he even praised the president on North Korea, but now he's saying the president on North Korea did zero. So he's managed to do something that, well, nobody's been able to do, and that's even get Democrats pissed off at him, conservatives angry with him, the president angry with him, and nobody believing a single word he says, at least not that I know of. And, you know, I'm sure he'll go through his 15 minutes of fame, get his, his book money and move on and do whatever he wants to do with his life, but that doesn't take away the fact that, If he did release classified information, he signed a document saying that he would be honest. I'll give you more information on that tonight on Hannity. And that any book that you write, if you take on a position where you have classified information, every line has to be gone over in a tedious way, unfortunately, to make sure that you're not disclosing national security secrets, compromising material that could compromise, you know, methods, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and apparently he just decided to go his own way. Um, I think violence is just sad. The level of violence we see unfolding in this country, the lawlessness we see unfolding in this country is preventable. If you believe in law and you believe in order, if you believe in applications of our law and if you believe in implementing the law, we, we can resolve. We know how to do this if we want to do it. We've now watched as city after city has engaged in violent protesting, not the peaceful protesters. I'm willing to make that obvious distinction. People outraged as I was over the George Floyd video. And what happened to him should never happen again. I like the reforms that the president has started. Now, by the way, Obama didn't do it. And... Biden didn't do it after Ferguson and after Baltimore. And interesting to get lectures from a guy like Biden, who's been in politics 51 years, Schumer 45 years, Pelosi 33 years, Leahy 54 years, Maxine Waters 47 years, Diane Feinstein 60 years. Isn't it interesting to get lectures from them? If you look at, for example, the New York Police Department has now reported a staggering increase in shooting numbers and injuries. We're now moving close to 900 officers. Now injured, some have been killed, and some are now permanently injured. One in Vegas paralyzed from the neck down. And you see that they they call it a storm on the horizon. An estimated 72 people wounded and 53 shootings citywide. That's just from June 15th through Sunday night. Okay, that's June 21st. Uh, That's six days. That's bad. 14 shooting victims, 12 shootings, same period, you know, last year. That is uh, not good. Now it even goes further than that. And in New York, you you literally have, we've had nothing but never-ending violence. You know, we have murders up 79%, shootings up 64%, burglaries up 34% just in May. Seattle business owners are warning the city that they're facing a mass exodus. Homeless, drugs, gangs taking over downtown. Mayor's just calling it the summer of love. Autonomous zone, chop zone, chaz zone, You know, is this now a summer of love? Because the police couldn't get to a man that was shot uh, in the autonomous zone. New York City man wanted after a woman 73 punched in the face. That happened again. New York's uh, police department officer suspended after video emerged, apparently showing a chokehold during a Queens boardwalk arrest. So, you know, I would eliminate chokeholds, but you got to give the cops more training and you got to give them more options Than that crappy stun gun that some cops use or the or the only other option they have is a is a is a pistol. There are better options. There's new technology. I've 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 talked about it at length on this program. Non-lethal that protects everybody. If you even if you make a mistake, the worst thing that can happen is you get your eyes flushed because you don't like the pepper spray or the tear gas. But anyway, Seattle's chop is worse than complete and total anarchy. Um, and you look at, for example, I saw before and after photos of Seattle's CHAZ zone and what it's done to the city. And it's all bad. In Chicago, for example, 12 minors among the 102 people shot this weekend, Father's Day weekend. 14 fatally shot, all gun violence. And Seattle, we told you the story about what happened in Seattle. And that happened in the no-cop zone, and cops were met by a violent crowd that prevented officers. How long are we going to let this go on? Maybe 104 shot, rather, not 102. 104 shot, 14 killed, Chicago Sun-Times. New York City police officers now saying New York has become a war zone after all the shootings this past weekend. Welcome to New York, uh, Officer Quips. Yeah, tell me about it, the first cop agrees. She heard four to five rounds. Stunning audio obtained by the New York Post early Saturday after at least a dozen shootings across all boroughs of New York. Cops noting the, the Wild West lawlessness after a frightened woman called the NYPD seeking an escort home in, in southeast Queens. She feels uncomfortable walking home, saying that she's walking home and it's a war zone, a combination of fireworks and gunshots. Second person killed outside the Wendy's where Rayshard Brooks was killed. By the way, with, this is not the slam dunk case that people are saying on TV. They're wrong. And, you know, now that we have the prosecutor in that case on record, uh, the DA rather on record in that case saying that, yeah, he that is a deadly weapon, a taser. Now, now uh, that changes the, the whole, you know, the whole narrative that has been put out there that that's going to be a slam dunk guilty verdict. It's not. Anyway, 400%. If you look at New York City that ended Saturday, that um, for the week ended, New York Post reporting that shootings in New York up a staggering nearly 400 percent over the same period last year. That's scary. Eleven shot, one killed in Minneapolis as seven cops resigned. First headline, this is in the Minneapolis Star Tribune today, seven Minneapolis police officers resigned. After the protests, citing a lack of support from city leaders, second headline, late night gunfire in Minneapolis kills one, wounds 11. That's in a city of a population of 400,000. So to have 11 people shot in a single night is a pretty big deal. You know, one thing that you have in common here is that you see the same patterns emerge. You have liberal Democrats, liberal cities, and they do nothing. They, they, they have run now for decades. They've not dealt with the problems of a bad school system, unending violence, and they keep getting reelected. In 134 days, we have an election and everything that we know as the United States of America is in play here. That's why I wrote live free or die. It's coming out August 4th. You know, America and the world on the brink. In Latin, live free or America dies. Why? Because when you look at what the Democrats and their 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 Pravda like extension, the media mob have done the last four years, they want to implement what is a history of failure. And that is socialism, redistributionism, statism. What you listen to their 2020 agenda, I lay it all out in this book. And what do you hear? Every single thing that history shows has been a failure. Almost the same rhetoric. It's so frightening. And that's why I'm laying it out. You compare it to the Trump agenda. It's literally freedom versus state run everything with guaranteed failure. What do you think the new Green Deal is? Takeover of state industry. No oil and gas. Everything's free. That's the socialist utopia. And the mob and the media, they are pushing harder than they ever have. Anyway, you can get it at a discount on Amazon.com. It's linked on Hannity.com.
1: These are the 11 charges against Officer Roth. Uh, the first charge is felony murder. This is the uh, death that is as a result of an underlying felony. And in this case, the underlying felony is aggravating assault with a deadly weapon. And the possible sentences for a felony murder conviction would be life life without parole, or the death penalty. We are asking Officer Roth and Officer Bresden to surrender themselves by 6 p.m. on the morrow. Uh, we are, because uh, Officer Bresden is now becoming a cooperating witness and charged with aggravated assault of uh, Ms. Pilgrim, And this is for pointing a taser at Mrs. Pilgrim. And uh, as many of you all know, under Georgia law, a taser is considered as a deadly weapon under Georgia law.
0: All right. Hour two, Sean Hannity show that, of course, the Fulton County D.A. announcing weeks before this whole incident went down in Georgia. Yeah. If you point a taser at somebody, you're pointing a deadly weapon. Uh, Which which now raises a whole variety of issues and questions, and none of which I think are easily answered, except that now this will come down to what the real law is. And as in his own words, uh, that would mean in the case of Rayshard Brooks turning around with a weapon and pointing it in the direction of the police officer in pursuit. He's pointing a deadly weapon at that person. Uh, based on the side view, meaning he sort of turns to his right a little bit, but he still has a a part of his back towards the officer. I think good forensics and good lawyering make that a far more complicated uh, guilty verdict, when, again, the standard will be beyond a reasonable doubt by a jury of one's peers. Uh, As it relates to what a reasonable officer will do, I don't think there'll be any shortage of officers that will, will make their assessment Uh, and defend the actions of the police officer Um, it's always hard you have a split second to make that decision Uh, I'll be honest I wish that was not the decision that was made by the officer in this case but you know what you're not there you weren't part of the struggle and you didn't have the you didn't have the deadly weapon pointed at you. Um, so it's it's certainly not a George Floyd case uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Anyway, Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, David Schoen, Civil Liberties attorney. Now, when you look at the standard instruction read to j- judges, read by the judges in Georgia to the jury, quote, a person is justified using force that is intended or likely to cause death or great bodily harm Only if that person reasonably believes that such force is necessary to to prevent death or great bodily injury to himself, herself or a third person or to prevent the commission of a forcible felony. Now, the question of a a jury then is simple. When the taser was when the, the brandishing of that stolen taser by Brooks, Rayshard Brooks, did it constitute what is a credible threat of death or great bodily injury? Well, based on the prosecutor's own words, I would say yes. Th- just listening to his words now, did the officer, Officer Rolf, has a, have a reasonable belief that deadly force was necessary when he drew and fired his weapon? Uh, anyway, here to sort through the legal aspects of this, you got a, a media. Of course, they're giving their take, their spin. They rush the judgment. I can't rush the judgment here. I'd like to get the other eight videos that apparently exist that were told to exist. Uh, But anyway, Greg, your analysis, let's look at it from a legal standpoint, based on the prosecutor's own words, that a taser is to be viewed as a a deadly weapon.
2: Well, District Attorney Howard has undermined his own case with his own words in an unrelated uh, case. And he declared that under Georgia law, and he's correct about this, a taser is a deadly weapon. So it'll be a question of fact for the jury to resolve uh, when was Rolfe faced with a reasonable belief, of death or serious bodily injury? Was he in imminent fear? That's the jury instruction. It'll be up to the jury. But, you know, this district attorney has already said that, that Rolfe, uh, you know, was using a deadly weapon. And the video that I've seen shows that he appears to be brandishing the weapon. That means aiming it pointing it at the police officer. The officer in his videotaped statement said, I saw him fire it at me at least once. It is a deadly weapon, according to the DA. So, you know, the law is pretty clear also. Uh, you're allowed to meet deadly force with deadly force. You don't have to wait to be shot and killed before you defend yourself. Now, yes, it's not a revolver, but, you know, the average taser has about 50,000 volts uh of electricity, and, you know, it can kill people if it's not uh, handled properly. Uh, And, in fact, uh, you know, that has been the case in several tragic instances. So, I mean, I think that answers the question.
0: And your take, David Schoen, I mean, you're also a civil liberties attorney, and we all care about people's civil liberties, and uh, it's very, very hard. There are some cases that are very cut and dry, right? I mean, George Floyd, universal universal agreement even in a time of a very divided politics there's nobody that i know of any credibility except maybe keyboard un, you know warriors in their underwear in their basements you know <laughs> under you know anonymous names you know saying any number of outrageous things to entertain themselves all day no credible person has said that what happened to mr floyd is justified under any circumstances that that wouldn't be justified for 15 seconds let alone over 8 minutes
3: Right. Um, listen, I don't disagree with anything Greg said. I read his article. It's right on point. I'm not sure, Sean, that you need a legal analyst because you hit all of the legal issues, frankly, in your opening. Uh, you've got the standard right on self-defense, and that's going to come down to a jury question, if it goes to the jury, on what, whether he reasonably believes it was necessary to use deadly force to defend himself or the safety of others. We've talked about Tennessee versus Garner. That's the standard from the Supreme Court. Officer can't just shoot a fleeing felon But he or she can shoot, uh, use deadly force if there's a significant threat of death or serious physical injury to the officer or to others. I think you know a good defense lawyer in this case wins this case on self-defense. There is no question now about a taser. There's a civil case from within this circuit from 2018 called Cantu versus City of Dothan, in which the police officer was sued for using deadly force against a person he uh, she had stopped to interrogate. Maybe rightfully, maybe wrongfully, but that person grabbed the handle of the taser. The officer shot the person in the stomach and killed him. That officer was held to be immune, even from a lawsuit, let alone criminal charges. Now, that case is under review by the Court of Appeals and may have been wrongly decided, but that could have been, you know, that, that's in police officers' minds. Listen, if it, it depends. The forensics is going to be a key here, it seems to me. If Mr. Brooks was shot squarely in the back as he clearly was running away, uh, and possibly no longer no longer pla- uh, posed a threat to the officers. then there's a real question whether self-defense comes into play. But he was carrying what's considered to be a dead. Right, but hang on a second. Officer-
0: based on yeah. based on what we see, and that is when he turns around and turns partly with his back towards Officer Rolfe, uh, partly, you know, and then apparently fires, seemingly fires the taser um, at that point. You see the switch to from the taser in the in the hands of Officer Wolf to the the handgun. Uh, at that moment, he pulls out the gun and in the after after the suspect Rayshard Brooks again fleeing the officers, having initiated a conflict with the officers, and then using a, a deadly weapon. According to the DA Paul Howard in this case, at that point when he turns to fire, and then the officer switches his weapon and shoots back. Does it seem that a case can be made why the bullets ended up in the back? Because he never fully he never fully turned face forward towards the officer.
3: That's what a good forensic expert is going to show. He didn't have to be facing directly at the officer for the officer to be in fear, nor is the officer charged with knowing whether he had expended all of the cartridges from the taser or not. Taser's a deadly weapon. I think, you know, the police officer has a great chance of winning on self-defense here. It's a tragic incident, and everyone would agree with that. I want to get back to the point that Greg made earlier, and you've made several times, is rush to judgment. That kind of rush to judgment in this case undercuts all of my legitimate cases. When I, again, bring this case in Florida about the killing of Jermaine McBean, that was a hard-fought case, and it's going to be hard-fought in civil court. Uh, The forensics are at issue, but they did the right thing in charging the officer there with homicide. It took a long time to get it. You can't rush to judgment. You must investigate. Um, and besides that, what Mr. Howard did clearly violates all of the ethical provisions in Georgia law and the ABA standards. He, there's a case called Maryland v. Gansler, in which a prosecutor was sanctioned for doing something less than even Howard did. And what the court said is this kind of thing dangerously jeopardizes the principle uh, uh, that our system of criminal justice is based on and that's true it undermines the confidence the public has in the system if you leave out facts when you tell the story or you undercut the Georgia Bureau of Investigation's full investigation it's not appropriate what he did.
0: Geraldo has been suggesting that this could also end up in, in federal charges civil rights violation charges you know, why do I always get the feeling when I hear this that this now becomes a double jeopardy issue?
2: Yes, it, it could if there's a civil rights violation, if if the motivation behind uh, Rolfe's act, the shooting uh, of Brooks, is racially motivated. I haven't seen any evidence of that. Uh, so, so far, I would say a federal case is not appropriate yet. I, like David, am waiting to see the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, the GBI's investigation of this. They, they seem shocked and stunned that the district attorney went ahead without consulting them, without even notifying them, uh, that he was filing uh, charges without a grand jury. Uh, and so I think the GBI may have reached a different conclusion. So we'll have to wait and see what they do. They were asked yeah. by the Atlanta Police Department to conduct an investigation, and they intend to, to do it.
0: Let me go to Stewart, is in Georgia, uh, has a comment about this case. Stewart, you're on the Sean Hannity Show with Greg Jarrett and David Schoen. How are you, sir?
4: Hey, so I'm an Atlanta native, and we we in the local news have a little bit more insight into Paul Howard's problems than you guys might have on a national scale. There's uh, an election
0: coming up, DA. we know that.
4: Yeah, so he's been DA for 24 years and ran unopposed in 2016. And then last fall, he has multiple allegations of sexual harassment. And then he has a GBI criminal investigation into some finance mishandling. Uh, he basically pocketed 80% of some money that was supposed to go to a crime reduction program. And so his, his former employees, his former prosecutors, they smelled blood in the water, and they ran against him. So he has Fannie Willis and Christian Wise-Smith ran against him in the primary. that just happened. Uh, got pushed back to June uh, 9th. And ahead of that primary, we had some uh, some protests in Atlanta, and he went ahead and charged six officers with uh, excessive force and kind of rushed to judgment because they've had officer misconduct investigations, like sitting there for years, but all of a sudden, within 72 hours, he gets his stuff wrapped up and charges these guys. And it wasn't enough. In the June primary, he lost. He got second place uh, with 30 percent of the vote. Fannie Willis got 42%, which isn't surprising because she out-campaigned him two to one. And so now he has a, 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 a runoff coming up in less than two months. And he has pretty much no hope aside from garning a bunch of national attention. And so if I had an opportunity to get on national TV and, and do a dog and pony show, and that was my only chance of getting re-election, I'd say a whole bunch of stuff, too. He could accuse these guys of alien abduction or whatever. The trial isn't going to take place until well after he wins or loses re-election. Uh, And by then, when four years is up, they'll have forgot all about this. So I know exactly where he's coming from.
0: You know, and, I, and I, thank you for the call, by the way. And, you know, David, I just, you know, you always worry about prosecutorial abuse. We saw that with well, our deep dive into the deep state. Greg and so many other people spent three years, you know, digging and uh, exposing this all. And you've been involved as well. And, you know, and then we have politics. You're, you're working with Roger Stone right now. Roger Stone is scheduled to go to jail in eight days. He does not belong in jail. He did not get a fair and impartial juror. He had the jury person that had already spoken out on social media negatively against him and all supporters of Donald Trump. That person had no business being on the jury. And then once it was discovered after the case, you would think at a minimum that that the judge in that case would have thrown that that verdict out and started again. You have to have a fair and impartial jury. He didn't get a fair and impartial jury at all.
3: That, that's right. And the judge took that opportunity to do nothing other than attack Donald Trump, which seemed to be the motivation for the prosecution and for her approach in the case. She said that Roger Stone was convicted of covering up for uh, Donald Trump. That was never a charge. There was never any evidence. And it simply wasn't true. She also said very important. She also said what Roger Stone did in obstructing justice uh, changed the re- committee report from the Nunes Committee on Russian collusion investigation. That's after admitting that Roger Stone's case had nothing to do with Russia, but it, the day afterwards, Congressman Nunes' spokesman came out and said, Roger Stone's actions, omissions, or anything he said or didn't say had no, no impact whatsoever on this committee's work or the report. Was it material at all? So you're right, that's a travesty. The system is only as good as the public's confidence can be in its integrity. And in a case like Roger Stone, it was the integrity is stripped from the process
0: all right we appreciate both of you being with us david Schoen, thank you greg jarrett thank you okay Katie mcfarland she's a former uh trump deputy national security advisor uh she has a thing or two to say about john bolton by the way which john bolton will we hear from today Uh, because John Bolton is quoted all over the place, contradicting himself in his new book, which is pretty ridiculous. Anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, Also, we'll get to your calls coming up as well. We'll look at the mob, the media, uh, Kaylee McEnany just pounding on the media. They can't handle it. It's hilarious. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800 941 Sean, you want to be a part of the program. You know, I've known John Bolton a long time, had a good relationship know a lot more about him than other people uh from his time being a fox news contributor and sure some things that he probably wouldn't want me to ever talk about but putting that aside for a second here he writes this book the room where it happened and my first thought is and then you start getting into the context of what he's saying in the room where it happened where he was in it obviously and the first thing that jumps to mind, because he's, he starts saying, yeah, I probably would have voted for impeachment. And and if the, the problem with the House managers is they didn't dig deep enough. And, you know, he's, he's managed to get everybody ticked off and actually everybody united against him because Democrats are saying, well, why didn't you tell us? You didn't subpoena me. But if you really believe that this was as bad as he said and he was in the room, If things were happening when you're in the room that you think are so unethical and so over the top, then the question is, why didn't you say something? In other words, why didn't John Bolton come out and say, uh, this is wrong? You know, my testifying at the impeachment trial would not have made a difference. Well, maybe it would have. You know, Democrats committed impeachment malpractice. High crimes and misdemeanors may have been committed by Trump. He goes on. Trump's handling of North Korea was a zero. I'm confident no classified information in the book. Well, that's not what the court said, that he likely compromised national security and violated the very pledge that he had made to get the clearance before any book comes out. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm just watching and I'm listening and I'm, you know, and I'm remembering everything about John Bolton. He said, for example, the president's handling of North Korea on a scale of one to ten was a zero. What did the president give North Korea except this time? That's it. We got back the remains of soldiers from the 50s. We got, you know, we got hostages released. We got a number of concessions and the president gave nothing but more sanctions uh, against North Korea. You know, and, and this is the problem with everything in John Bolton's book. John Bolton says one thing as he's working for President Trump, and he says a very different thing in his book. And I think, you know, in North Korea, I mean, I have a this is not long before he was fired. President Trump, you know, we'll see. But, but, but I think one of the things you can be sure of is President Trump's not going to make the mistakes of prior administrations here. that come to the idea. If you give economic benefits, you automatically count on them following through on their commitments. Well, Trump never did that with North Korea. He's saying this to Greta Van Susteren in August of 2019. You know, he said in in April of 2018, he said, as it relates to North Korea, you know, will we be, you know, when we'll do the sit down? I think that's something the president thought a great deal about. And I think people in the world have already given him credit for establishing the precondition for that to happen. And he goes on and on and on. And the same thing with Russia and the same thing with China. He praised the president's China policy, saying he's never seen an American president this tough before. I think the president has done something no previous president, American president, has been willing to do. He's calling out China on their behavior. But in the book, he's claiming that, oh, he really wants China's help in his reelection. And I have one comment after another. You know, I would say China is one of the due bills coming due that Obama ignored or mishandled badly. Now, the thing is about John Bolton, what I know, too, is that John Bolton lobbied everybody to get this job. And when I talked to him about it at one point, I said, John, you have a very different foreign policy view than the president. Oh, no, no, I'm going in to serve the president. And one time while he was in office, I had a number of a couple of discussions with him. And one of them in particular, he did nothing but praise the president to me when he left office. I asked him for an interview. He said, no, no, I have not a bad word to say about the president. So, you know, now it all changes. Praise the president on Russia. Praise the president on Iran. Praise the president on North Korea. Praise the president on China. And now he's a very different John Bolton. Anyway, KT McFarlane, perhaps she has some insight into all of this. Has an op-ed on FoxNews.com. And you talk about Election Day 2016. You were at Fox News I was not there that night. I asked John if he had already voted. He said yes for Trump. He's an idiot, but anyone's better than Hillary. Now, by the way, he says he won't vote for Trump and he won't vote for Biden. Now, Donald Trump, KT, has gotten rid of the caliphate, Soleimani, al-Baghdadi and associates, the al-Qaeda leader in, in Yemen. Uh, the president, we know, is taken on China on trade and John Bolton praised him for it. Nobody's done it before. And on North Korea, the president gave nothing and nobody's been tougher on Iran than Donald Trump. Uh, so he's basically given a half a vote to Joe Biden. Um, so I've come to the conclusion I don't see John Bolton as particularly honest, a truthful man after all these years.
5: I think
6: you're absolutely right. I mean, your whole point is that they have very different foreign policy views. But John Bolton was really ambitious. He would always wanted to be national security advisor. So he lobbied, and lobbied, lobbied, finally got it. And then when it didn't work out, and it was pretty clear from the very beginning it wasn't going to work out, what did Bolton do? He took copious notes of every meeting that he was in. I talked to some of my former NSC colleagues because I've been deputy national security advisor, and they said that John Bolton just stayed in his office all day long. didn't meet with anybody other than the president. He took copious notes when he was with the president, and he was working on his memoirs from the very beginning. And I think the other point that that you make this is really important. If this is a man of integrity, and he felt so strongly that Donald Trump was unfit to be president and was a danger to the nation, he should have come forward during impeachment.
0: But no, well, no, no. He, no, no. he said God. he's in the room, the room where it happened. If you're in the room where, where it's happening at the time it's happening, why don't you speak out at that moment? He didn't yes, speak exactly. out at that moment. And by the way, Pompeo's called him a liar. uh I mean, for Mike Pompeo say, to say that—that's a lot. Uh, the president's trade representative called him a liar, and I'm I can tell you that he told me things that are clearly weren't true.
6: Yeah, I, you know, John Bolton has a, he, hes not served the nation well. He's certainly not served President Trump well. The lasting effect of what he's done, of this sort of kiss and tell book, where he's gone and made up stuff for the profit motive, um, I think has done this the country very ill in its service so this is
0: what he's going to end up with what let's say that his half a vote for biden ends up what we're going to dump more cash and other currency on iran's door on their tarmac uh we're going to go back to bill clinton's uh appeasement policies towards north korea uh we're not going to pressure countries like china to be free and fair with their trade because he's afraid how does he get to say all of these things? Nobody's been tougher than Donald Trump while he's working for Donald Trump or trying to lobby to work for Donald Trump. And then he comes out and says the exact opposite. So which John Bolton is honest, if any?
6: I don't think either of the John Boltons are honest. But the one John Bolton is always condescending and arrogant, um, whether he's, he, he's, oh, you know he told me that he thought Donald Trump was an idiot on Election Day, and yet he went to work for him. Well, now he still thinks Donald Trump. He didn't just go to work for him. him. He
0: begged everybody in the world and their mother if he could put in a good word for the guy.
6: Yep. Absolutely. And so what did he do when he had that opportunity to serve the nation? He undercut the president. And when it was pretty clear they weren't getting along, John Bolton took all of his time and talked to the press. Leaking about the president, saying bad things about the president. You know, one of the you pointed out North Korea. One of the reasons we didn't get a North Korea deal, President Trump had it pretty well lined up, and then Bolton comes out and he says, "Well, what we have in mind for the North Korea plan is like Gaddafi of Libya. Gaddafi gave up his nuclear weapons, but what Bolton didn't say was yeah, well, Gaddafi ended up getting." you know, getting tortured by his own people and removed from office. So if you're Kim Jong-un and you're looking at this and saying the president's national security advisor says that the mold here and the thing that I should do is give up my nuclear weapons, just like Qaddafi. Well, look what happened to Qaddafi. I mean, John Bolton tanked that North Korea plan right there with his own foolish words.
0: Have you spoken to him or when is the last time you spoke to him?
6: I have not spoken to him since he left the White House.
0: Okay, I mean, I understood. My sources told me that he got along with nobody, that he was impossible to work with. Is that true? His
6: staff hated him. Staff hated him. Um, People, the other people in the West Wing would have nothing to do with him. And he was dismissive. He was even dismissive and arrogant to the president. Now that's not a really good plan if you're the president's national security advisor. I mean, he wouldn't even fly on Air Force One with the president. He would take his own his own plane, commandeer his own plane. And, you know, he was given an enormous opportunity and an opportunity to serve the nation. And what did he do with it? He undercut the man who gave him that opportunity. And even more so, he undercut America, because he's sown even more division, more animosity, more anger. He'll become the the media darling of the Trump-hating media, and John Bolton will make millions on his book. But at what price? You know?
0: well, I mean, to me, it just doesn't. How do you say all of these nice things about the president in China, the president in Iran, the president against Russia, the president on North Korea? How do you say all of that and and the president on nuclear weapons? And, and and also when you go in and you sign this document, I mean, you read the judges. I mean, the judge said he can't stop him from printing this book, but but he certainly eviscerated him for compromising national security. What was your read on that? Well,
6: I had to sign the same document, and when I wrote my book, um, I had to submit it to the National Security Council for vetting. Did they take a lot longer than I want? Yes, they absolutely did. But it was not a political thing. They have to go chapter by verse and say, you can't use this sentence because this refers to a national security study memorandum and you have to have an outside source. john bolton just ignored it all it's it's the arrogance but you know sean the thing that makes me the maddest i mean you know i'm from a navy family a strong military family and i asked john bolton once you know you're so in favor of interventions abroad would you be happy if you, you know one of your children served in the military and he looked at me with such disdain and he said oh no of course not in other words the military that's for somebody else's children i'll send somebody else's children to fight these forever wars but never one of his own
0: all right kt mcfarland uh former trump deputy national security advisor her book that you referred to revolution trump washington and we the people uh we really appreciate you being with us uh kt uh come back off and we are uh, glad to have you back thank you and let's just go to our uh, busy phones here 800-941 sean you want to be a part of the program here uh, all right. Oh, friend, Tricia, uh, just the tweet. She wrote this book about the president's tweets only uh, is on the line. She was at the Trump rally in Oklahoma this weekend. Tricia, hi. How are you? Glad you called. How was the rally? I watched a lot of it. The ratings I saw on Fox were massive. Wow.
6: Yeah, the people were so excited to have our president back on stage for sure. And it was, it was incredible. There were, the enthusiasm was off the chart, no doubt. Uh, but there were some mishaps and there was some confusion. And, um, you know, it, I, I'm sad to say it, but it, it, there was the ticket situation. Many people didn't receive their tickets. And because the announcement of how many ticket requests there were, I think a lot of people were discouraged thinking, Oh, I didn't get a ticket. So they didn't come. And we had a lot of people come by our table. Uh, telling us that they didn't have a ticket, and we encouraged them, please go in because a lot of times you don't need a ticket. Uh, so I don't know how many actually made it in. And then there was difficulty uh, with BLM. We we packed up and brought our items back to the hotel and were preparing to go back to get in line, and we were blocked. We couldn't get in.
0: Yeah, look, I don't, you know, it's funny because I watched the media coverage on it, and to me, it was like I was just rolling my eyes, and it's just predictable and typical. Um, and Brad Parscale said he didn't think it had anything to do with, you know, um, uh, uh, any conspiracy of any kind. I have no idea, and it doesn't really matter to me. No. Joe Biden can't get 10 people at any meeting. I mean, it's exactly. it's like, okay, so, <laughs> you know, there are real circumstances going on here. There's been real unrest. There's been a real issue with coronavirus, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, there was a lot of confusion in t- terms of who would get in, not get in, and overflow and whatever, neither matters to me. Then I looked at the TV numbers today and I just started laughing because as usual, Donald Trump gets the last laugh. And that is that everybody, and it's not easy to get an audience. I can tell you right now on a Saturday night on cable TV, you know, when you get nearly 8 million on one network, you get at least 5 million on their own digital platforms. Uh, That's an awful lot of people watching and wanting to see the president. And, um, So anyway, I got a break, but I appreciate the insight, Tricia. Thank you. 800 941 Sean. You want to be a part of the program, News Roundup, Information Overload next. Stay right here for
2: our final News Roundup and Information Overload.
0: Seems to me that the
7: turnout of that uh, rally, the fact that they had no overflow, um, they they didn't need it. They only had, it looks like the estimate is less than 7,000 attended. Yeah. Uh, In isolation, you could chalk that up to the health, but when you combine it with everything else we've seen over the last couple of weeks with his poll numbers, is this a troubling sign to the campaign that they have an enthusiasm issue?
8: The president
9: was not angry at all. The president was quite energized. I was with him after the rally. It was a huge success. His speech got rave reviews. Uh, he was in good spirits on Marine One. Um, and what the president routinely does is draw extraordinary turnout. As we saw, for instance, in the, uh, the event with Prime Minister Modi, 50,000 people turned out. He was in a great move, mood. It was a great night and uh, there was a lot to celebrate.
0: If you look at Joe Biden's last event, let's just compare it to Joe Biden for a second here. You know, the fact that the president's rally had all of the responses and there's a lot going on with coronavirus and there's a lot going on with unrest. And there was, you know, some conflicts going on uh, down in Tulsa, down in Oklahoma. And uh, you've got three quarters of the place full, which is like 14, 12, 14,000 people. Uh And you compare it to Joe Biden, that's like 500 times, you know, the number of people that will show up at his biggest rallies. So it's a little bit of a a misnomer. Now, here's the interesting thing. Online, just on, you know, Trump-related websites, uh, it was 4 to 5 million. I'm sure it's many more. The Fox numbers showed almost 8 million, which for cable is massive. I mean, absolutely massive. Then you factor in it's a Saturday night at 8 o'clock. Not a lot of people Saturday night, 8 o'clock. It's not exactly prime time, viewing time, uh, Eastern time for people to be watching a rally. But that's how great the interest was or the enthusiasm. If we're going to talk about an enthusiasm gap, I would say every poll even recognizes that there's no enthusiasm for the ever forgetful Joe. It was not a good poll, the Zogby poll that said, yeah, we all think 55% of Americans think there's something going on cognitively there. Uh, So that will be a bigger and bigger issue. So if you want to make little, you know, headway over, oh, well, Trump didn't fill out this arena after all the whatever. Just look at the television ratings and let's see if Joe can get those kind of numbers. I think that's that would be a bigger uh, comparison. Joe Concha is with us. He's an opinion columnist, commentator for The Hill. Mark Simone uh, on the W.O.R. affiliate that I have. And that is... um, in new york city welcome both of you to the program guys how are you glad you're with us to me it was never an issue to me i never saw a single thing that bothered me in any way and i think the president wanted to go out the people want to go see him and i think as time goes on depending on what's going on with coronavirus and some you know unrest in the streets of whatever city he happens to be in i think people want to go to his rallies mark simone
10: well, you know, Ted Williams was the greatest baseball hitter ever. I think one year he only hit 350. Everybody said, okay, Well, how did you have such a terrible year? <laughs> a year anybody would have dreamed of. So you are the greatest candidate in history when you're getting criticized for only 6,200 people in the middle of a pandemic and 8 million people watching you online. Hey, Joe Scarborough complaining about Joe Scarborough, if you had 800,000 viewers, would be popping champagne. Uh, I mean, uh, for all these people to complain, Joe Biden had a rally with 10 folding chairs and only three people. That wasn't a story. A major party's nominee, presumptive nominee, can't get three people, more than three people. That's a major story. It didn't even get covered.
0: I don't even know. Do you
10: know a company where you could rent just 10 folding chairs? Wouldn't, you, wouldn't that be below anybody's minimum order?
0: It was yeah, a- I think it would be below thing anyone's thing. minimum. I, but, but for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Joe Concha, you know we've we've watched and chronicled now for four solid plus years this double standard in the media. None of that surprises me, and this one just didn't affect me at all because it was it made a lot of sense to me. I mean, the media scaring the hell out of people now. You know, if you look at the lead up to last week's rally or Saturday's rally, what do we have? Oh, we're all back on COVID nineteen. Everybody in the media mob was silent about COVID when it was a protest. Now, if Trump would just rename the rallies and call them a protest, I think you'd be doing a lot better.
9: It's like a switch almost, right, Sean, where like the uh, Clapper that I know Mark has a couple of those, I do as well. You can't turn it on and off in terms of your concern around health possible problems uh, with coronavirus where, okay, that protest in Brooklyn that has 20,000 people, that's fine. Trump rally, not fine. You can't pick and choose your your outrage based on the virus, uh, because the virus is going to be the same no matter what we're talking about. Now, all that said, uh, I think the the campaign would be wise to do uh, probably these sort of events outdoors moving forward. It is summer. Uh, The president can fill big venues, uh, I I think, outdoor. Uh, But but to your point, though, I, I don't think the Trump rally should be viewed as a measure of support in terms of attendance, I mean, these are obviously unprecedented times we live in. There are folks still not comfortable around being around large groups, understandably, and particularly if you're older. And look, 11.7 million people watching either on Fox News, 7.7 million there, another 4 million online. That is a uh enormous number when you consider that saturday was the start of summer saturday is the lowest rated night of the work uh, of the week so yeah, to draw something like that joe biden probably couldn't get even 1.7 million and biden's biggest rally by the way was his campaign launch in philadelphia well over a year ago this is pre-pandemic mind you and he still didn't draw but donald trump drew in tulsa on saturday night so overall look always under promise and and uh you know Overperform is the old saying, so maybe the campaign shouldn't put out, that, put out numbers that a million people are requesting tickets moving forward. I think that was a mistake. But overall, look the fear tactics that you talked about are exactly right. That we kept hearing about. It. In Oklahoma, cases are skyrocketing. They're surging. How many people died in Oklahoma from COVID on Saturday? One. How many died on Friday? One. How many died on Thursday? One. How many died on Wednesday? Two. So that's what you gotta look at death polls, not cases, because that they don't really mean anything because we're just testing younger people who are asymptomatic. It's the death toll. And now on Saturday in the US it was only two hundred and eighty three, two hundred and eighty three too much. I trust me, my wife's a doctor, I, I'm very sensitive to this, but we used to have more than 2,000 a day just over a month ago. So uh, we're we're going in the right direction. The fear-mongering around rallies are bad, but protests are good is very apparent to anybody who's objective and watching at home.
0: You know, Mark Simone, I look at this hype over John Bolton's book. Uh, listen, John Bolton wasn't honest with me in a number of conversations we had. And John Bolton begged to work for President Trump, lobbied every single solitary person that he thought might have some ability to say what a great guy is and how the president should hire him. And by the way, George W. Bush, he did the same thing to Bush back in when he was president, 43. So I'm I'm reading all these old quotes, even up to the time he's getting fired praising the president on China, praising the president on North Korea, praising the president on Russia, praising the president on Iran and, and his and his strategies. And then all of a sudden he writes a book and it's the exact opposite of everything that he's on record as having said about Donald Trump uh, while he was working for Donald Trump. Now, some would call that utter hypocrisy. I don't know what you call it. But you see, even the media can't stand him because they know that he's on both sides of the issue. So what, John Bolton, should we believe, if any? Which John yeah, Bolton? Yeah, look at the New York Times
10: review. It said unhinged. Uh, and nobody reported that federal judge's ruling correctly. He said clearly this is classified information. He said the, probably all the profits should be seized. He's opened himself up to criminal liability. They do a special yeah, you know, If you had a contest for the most boring humans on Earth, I would enter John Bolton and Martha Raddatz. They put them both together on one special. I tried to watch a minute of this. If you could go five minutes watching that, you could probably be declared legally dead. Uh, that was the dreariest mm-hmm. hour I've ever seen. Uh, and you're right, that's an important point. Bolton, uh, Bush let him go. Same thing, wrote a comment Bush is crazy, Bush doesn't listen, Bush is wrong. Uh, and, and Raddatz asked him uh, when he said, total failure on North Korea. We had nothing but nuclear tests for all those years and then all of a sudden after meeting with Trump no more nuclear tests. Why didn't she jump in and say this looks like great success to me?
0: Right you know I mean you, you raised such a good point here. So now we're headed into an election we're 134 days out. Mark Simone, we've been through a lot of elections together. How do you assess this race? I mean think of the news cycle just from January this year alone coronavirus yeah, had the George Floyd uh, absolute hideous video that we've all that has led to a lot of well, I'll even say some peaceful protesters, which has led to some troublemaking, which has led to big cities allowing, well, city blocks to be taken over. We've watched police precincts burn down. We watch looting and we watch arson. And we watch, you know, eight to nine hundred cops now injured with rocks and bottles and bricks and, and Molotov cocktails. Some have died. Some are permanently injured and paralyzed. And I watch all of this, this this hyper, you know, sonic news speed of a news cycle. I mean, you watch it, and then you think, okay, we have an election in 134 days. How do you assess it?
10: Well, the gloves are off. They'll say anything. I say, you know, I picked up a water glass with two hands. Suddenly, there the male clinics diagnosing with Parkinson's. Hey, you're a golfer. You know, if you can sink a 15 foot putt. You have no Parkinson's disease. Your hands are very steady. They—they they are just going nuts. I, the silent majority—that old phrase—I think it's going to be overwhelming this year. Don't be surprised if Donald Trump carries New York uh, this year quietly. Oh, even come Democrats on! No,
0: no, no, no! You—you—you you, you cannot be serious. That New York, you think would know. be How in play?
10: Democrats. Democrats are frightened by this defund the police looting. Hey, and don't, minority neighborhoods, they'll get hit the hardest by this defunding the police. This, uh, the riots, looting, not being controlled, it really sh- will stick in everybody's mind right through November.
0: Yeah, what do you oh. think, Joe Concha? I can't see the New York. I tell you what I could see, though. I could absolutely see Pennsylvania in Trump's column. I could, s- I could see Minnesota in Trump's column. I could see Michigan in his column. I can't assure anybody, and I think anybody that says for sure that they know, I think they're full of it. But in all honesty, I think a lot of good things can happen here that we don't even know about.
9: I'm sorry. I was making some some pain uh, sounds before I fell out of my chair, actually, when, when Simone <laughs> said that Trump was going to take New York. Save the tapes, please. I mean, like, I, I get his point, but uh, when was the last time New York went red? I think it was uh, 1984, right, Reagan? Uh, and yeah. uh, maybe there's a parallel there, because Walter Mondale ran on raising taxes, right, and he won his home state of Minnesota, and Reagan probably could have won that, but he was being nice and didn't want to embarrass the guy. So, you know, <laughs> all that said, look, we have lived a full decade uh, in the first five months of of this year, right? We're in the 20s now. All the things that happened uh, that you mentioned. But overall, does the president have uh, a chance to win Pennsylvania? Of course, because he did In 2016, he won Michigan in 2016. The blue wall came down, won Wisconsin as well, almost won Minnesota. He has to win just those three states again. Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Hold on to those. And then the states he won as well, the key states like Ohio, North Carolina, Florida. So if he holds on to that, that's your ballgame. That's what elections come down to. Basically, those six states so you're going to see uh, the president there a lot. And Joe Biden, I, I think, thinks he could run out the clock now, Sean, right? Because he hasn't done a press conference in 80 no. days. And, and it's because he handpicks the people that are going to interview him. He doesn't get any tough questions. And they have ground rules around those questions, clearly. So uh, he can never do what the president does in terms of taking questions from the press an hour, an hour and a half. And they're awful take- questions usually, right? So the, there you go. So Biden's trying to go four corners, and that didn't work for Hillary Clinton. It's not going to work here either.
0: All right, thank you both, Mark Simone and Joe Concha of the Hill. Mark Simone, our affiliate WOR. Uh, when we make our announcement, you'll hear more from Mark later this week. All right, we've got one minute. We'll give it to Kevin in New York, and then wide open phones, final half hour of the program. Kevin, you have the, the final minute this half hour. Make it great. Good
11: afternoon, Sean. I know you moved on to the DI. I want to go back to the actual incident of the uh, Brooks shooting. Uh, I'll try and be quick. Everybody tries a Monday morning quarterback just from every angle and possible video they can get their eyes on. But the only view that is important at that time is that officer's view on what he's staring at and facing at. The 40 minutes beforehand of the cordial conversation doesn't go into the suspect's um, view. Everybody tries to talk nice to the cops to get out of an incident. But it goes to the officer's professionalism and lack of racist overtone. This incident started when Brooks started the fight every officer who has time on the job knows that when a fight ensues, what's going through the mind of that suspect? Why is he fighting? For the most part, it's uh, people fight because they don't want to get arrested or they have something on their person they don't want found. What is it? That officer doesn't know. When that guy is running, he turns around. He doesn't turn around to shoot. He reaches back. If you watch the officer, he transitions the taser um, from his weapon hand and reaches for his firearm. When he notices the uh, suspect reaching back and <clears throat> excuse me, facing him, the front of the taser is black. You don't know what he's pointing at you. All you see is a. Well, I think you see the yellow. I think he
0: knew at that point that the. I, I'm assuming, based on the comments that we were able to hear in the audio from the body cams, uh, that he knew he had a taser in his hand. But again, the prosecutor in the case was very clear in saying that is a taser is a deadly weapon. And then I went through the law earlier, and I think it's very clear, Greg Jarrett and David Schoen both agree, that they have a right under those circumstances to defend themselves immediately, that it's viewed as a deadly weapon.
11: This is a deadly weapon. It's a deadly weapon when it's used against somebody who is carrying a deadly weapon. You have a gun, I use a taser against you and incapacitate you, now I have your gun. That's a deadly situation. So all these people sitting there screaming how a taser isn't a deadly weapon.
0: All right. Appreciate the call, Kevin. Back to the phones when we come back. 800 941 Sean You want to be a part of the program. Uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and the latest on all of this and 134 days till Election Day. Tonight at 9, Hannity Fox News. We'll continue. All right. 25 now till the top of the hour. 800 941 Sean. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza, I'm going to say this. I'll go through these numbers again. You know, everybody, the Summer of Love, Autonomous Zone, as they call it, whatever the name changes is, you know, Potluck Spaghetti Dinners. That was also spoken by the mayor. Well, what happened to the Summer of Love and the block party? The festive atmosphere described by Fake News, CNN and MSDNC. Well, we know Saturday, uh, people were shot there Saturday night inside the Autonomous Protest Zone where anti-cop radicals and anarchists have been living. Now that they've seized several blocks in the downtown area. Cops said it happened in a tweet at 1126. One person suffered a gunshot wound while inside the area. Second shooting may also have taken place. 19-year-old man was killed after the shooting took place inside the zone. Officers responding to the shooting said they had trouble getting to the scene because they were met by a violent crowd that prevented officers safe access to the victims. Let's look at Chicago this weekend. Yep. Number of gun violence victims, 104 people shot across the city from Friday evening to Monday morning, 14 of them dead. Five of those killed were minors. This is just a recap. If you're considering vacationing to New York City, well, you can do that, too. But they now have uh, more than a dozen shootings there, left two men dead, 18 others hurt across the city Friday and Saturday. Uh, carnage pr- that prompted some weary cops had on the mypd to start now calling where they're working a war zone in six days since the mypd disbanded their plain clothes anti-crime unit uh now the they've had 48 separate shootings citywide. comparatively to last year there are only 12 short uh, shootings during all seven days of the same week uh you got a, a second person shot outside the wendy's where rayshard brooks was killed man had been taken to the hospital with a gunshot wound to the leg after a shooting near the scene of the ongoing protests in Atlanta. Less than 24 hours earlier, a woman was shot in the leg near the same location. You know, Democrats, now the cops are on defense. What's happening? We've got violence surging around the nation. You know, over 50 people, you know, all these people shot and killed over the weekend. Well, why do you think this is happening? Now we have 11 shot, one killed in Minneapolis, seven cops now, again, I've resigned in Minneapolis. What, why do you think this is happening? How is it possible that they've never gotten these situations under control? Anyway, 800-941. Sean, if you want to be a part of the program. All right, let's go to our telephones. Uh, let's say hi to Gary. is in Philly. WPHT, the big talker. What's going on?
5: Sean, thanks for taking my call. I'll get right to it. Uh, I'm a poll worker in the city of Philadelphia, and there's three things I noticed in the recent primary. First was voter turnout. Despite the pandemic, the recent civil unrest, the fact that there are over 20,000 mail-in ballots sent out to the citizens of Philadelphia, voter turnout was pretty good. And I do a mental count throughout the day, and I actually have to give the edge to the Republicans for the turnout. The second was the independent
0: That's just pure science. That's just math. You're right. There was never any competition, no reason for anyone in all of these states to show up. And the latest example was in Georgia. And record numbers of people are showing up to vote for President Trump just to send the message. And I think it's clear what message they're sending.
5: Oh, yeah. And the, the second was the independent voters that came out to vote and were disappointed that they couldn't vote the Republican ballot. And I had explained to them that in order to vote Republican, you have to be a registered Republican. In order to vote Democrat, you have to be a registered Democrat. I didn't have one independent request the Democratic ballot. And the third thing that surprised me the most was having a registered Democrat, try and vote Republican. And the reason I know this is early in the day, we had a problem. I was called over to assist a voter. The machine had actually rejected their ballot, spit out their ballot, which a printed ballot, which never happens. Okay. This is only the second times we've used these machines. So this was something new to me. So there's a process that we do where we, we soil the ballot. We zero out the machine, issue them a new ballot. The voter went in it Same thing happened. By this time, I was already on the phone with tech support to find out what's going on. Uh, At this point, I asked the voter, Did you try and vote for an opposition candidate on your ballot? And this is their words exactly Yes, I did. I have been a registered Democrat my entire life. I am so angry, no, furious with the Democratic Party that I do not want to vote for a single Democrat. And I don't know what to do. I thought about staying home and not voting. This wasn't an option. Then I came up with the idea to write the Republican candidates on a Democratic ballot. And obviously, this didn't work. And the voter said, I I feel like I should just go home. I said, well, well, wait a minute. There has to be a solution. I thought for a second. And then I said, just like you have the right to vote for whatever candidate you want, you have the right not to vote for whatever candidate you choose. Simply answer the questions on the ballot, hit print on your ballot, see if it says what you want, and cast your ballot. The voter came out of the booth. They had a smile on their face. They said it worked. It printed out all the Democratic candidates on the ballot, showed no votes for any of them, and it showed that a registered Democrat had shown up to vote and did not cast one vote for a Democrat, and then they said they were going home to change their parties. John, this was not the only time it happened during the deck. And every time it happened, it was a Democrat trying to vote Republicans on their ballot. This gives me hope for November.
0: Listen, anecdotally, all of these things give us hope. But again, it all comes down to 134 days. We'll put up on Hannity.com when early voting starts, how to do absentee voting. Um, uh, You know, we hear about irregularities in every election. I know the Democrats have been pushing hard. Let's have mail-in ballots. I would argue that lends itself to a lot of potential corruption. And um, we know that people from the last election are willing to pretty much do anything to stop Donald Trump. So unless and until I hear the words Donald Trump, we can now project that he's been reelected the 45th president of the United States. I would just play as though you're a touchdown down. It's a two minute drill. You have no timeouts. You need to cross the plane and get your six points and you need the extra point to win. Now, it's always hard for a Republican. And I'm telling you, this Democratic socialist threat is real. You know, we should count down the number of days to live free or die, because that's all I... When you compare and contrast the failures of socialism, what these Democrats have done to damage this country the last, you know, four years, years—how what a destructive force they have been, what a destructive force the media has been, what a destructive force uh socialism has been and the poverty that has been you know predictably happens as a result and freedoms lost as a result i lay it all out and live free or die you go to amazon.com it's on sale now 40 percent off because somebody had to lay out the definitive case and when you compare and contrast what the 2020 new green deal democratic radical socialists are about with their accomplices in the mob versus what donald trump is going to do and what he's done it has never been a clearer choice than what we have now. Once you give, this is the whole point of the book, too. Once you give up your liberty and you buy into the false promises of failed socialism, you give up your freedom in the process and freedom is taken away in innumerable ways through their yeah, and burdensome I think, regulation, their confiscation of wealth and industry, and their destructive economic plans and you will lose your freedoms. You give false security. That's that's the promise of socialism. The reality is failure and poverty and misery and loss of freedom. You On know, the we've other had side of, is freedom.
8: We've had a lot of callers into the show during the pandemic and they're from countries like, you know, like Russia, like Venezuela, that have seen this, you know, Cuban refugees, people that came here, you know, for the promise of freedom and what it's all about. A lot of them have been calling about your book because it rings true with them because they've actually lived the experience in a country that doesn't give what our country gives so handily to everybody. Like here's opportunity, do what you want with it, you know? And that's that's what live for your die is really talking about. It's saying this is why America is so exceptional. This is why it is so great. You know, you're outlining the history, present time, and where we're going. And it's like you, th- th- this is just what we're seeing right now with people not being able to go out of their houses, having their civil liberties infringed upon. You know, one thing's called a protest, one thing's called a rally. I mean. It's so, it, it, it. I've never seen anything like it. I've been I've been in this business 15 years and it, I've literally never seen anything like this. And our audience, you know, they're up in arms. And if you look at Live Free or Die, it's like, okay, to understand where we're going, please look at where we've come from. And that's what you're outlining. That's what you're saying to people, you know? And that's why we're doing the book tour and we've got all this information on the website and, you
0: know, all of our social. We're so trying to get it, this people This is everything informed. on the line. It's that you cannot have a more clear choice. And this is not about even us at this point this is about the country and our kids and our grandkids and you know you're younger than i am and you're yeah but we
8: can't have joe biden i mean we look at joe biden look at all the things that he said from i mean the man has been in office for over 30 years and like you you pointed this out on friday sean you know look at all these people who've been in office for 30 40 50 in feinstein's case 60 years and they're blaming trump i'm like has hello? been on the
0: scene for four years, yeah, I know. He's like,
8: hello, I mean, it's, it's, and that's why Live Free or Die is so poignant. It's like, please, read your history books. Pay I, attention. I,
0: I try to sum it up. I'm, uh, this is a battle cry. This is yeah. America's moment. And, you know, um, and you know, I haven't been out on the road, really, in 10 years. Oh, and it's hard. I mean, I've done it. And I'm like, okay. I, but I, I also like to stay focused. But it's too important. I, I, and I'm kind of looking forward to it because I, this is a cause now. And the mm-hmm. cause here is saving the country. And the, the stakes can't be higher, and I just can't be I can't be any more adamant than I'm being. I'm just telling you this is this is not a practice run. This will not end well for this country. Just like I said, it's not going to end well without law and without order. And we saw all of that on display all weekend long. And Look
8: at your book title: Live Free or Die yeah well this is not a game anymore guys this is this is serious if you want a future for my child you know ethan's son all of our children our grandchildren this is it
0: you know it's it's the double standard on everything is so breathtaking it is truth does not exist in the world of the media you know look at for example quid pro quo joe zero experience hunter but they went Mm. all over trump on on nothing a phone call you know, you, you look at the whole Russia mess and they ignore the dirty dossier that was then used as the as the predicate, as the bulk of information to spy on a candidate, transition presidency, denying Americans their civil rights and liberties and constitutional rights. You know, and look again, at the, Sean,
8: on the taxpayer dollar, no less.
0: Well, like, coronavirus, we it, just call it a protest and you're fine. You call it a rally, you're dead. Exactly. You know, it's um, it's these amazing times we are living. sad on the one hand, but it also this is a country that is worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because so many other people had to fight a lot harder than we're fighting here. This is only an election. Yep. And I say only an election. This election will turn America into something that I believe will be unrecognizable. And it's not it will be at that point. I don't think I don't see any way that America recovers out of, if they implement that agenda. They, we elect that agenda. We have forgetful Joe. And it's very obvious this guy does not have the strength, the stamina, the alertness to be president to me. I don't think he has it. You know, all the talk about, well, Donald Trump didn't pack the House. Yeah, but the ratings went through the roof. They were record ratings. And you also, know, when, note- when, when's, when's the last time Joe Biden did a media availability, a real press conference where we really had to answer some real questions? He doesn't and also, do them.
8: And another point, Sean, that nobody's really talking about. I know you said this earlier. You know, there were no flights into Tulsa people were flying to Dallas and they were driving to Tulsa I mean this is not you know this is a pandemic people are scared I'm like got 8 million people watching you online and this guy can't get through this guy can't get through a Facebook live he can't get through a Twitter live. he doesn't even know if the camera's on I'm like oh you're gonna run the free world really okay
0: that's great amazing times Um, we're putting up a lot of all great articles every day too on Hannity.com we've sort of Hannity.com point uh, 10.0 um And uh, if you haven't been there recently, All right, let's go to our phones. Let's say hi to Wes is in Kentucky. Wes, hi. How are you? Glad you called.
7: Good afternoon, sir. Doing pretty well. Um, I just wanted to touch base on uh, what you were talking about earlier today. And you started talking about it Thursday about these free zones and uh, having a background knowing about this. I'm thinking if the mayor is preventing the police departments from going into these, quote unquote, police free zones and, and these sanctuary cities, Technically, they're aiding and abetting crime, uh, and 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 they're and they're also uh, interfering with with police, uh, which is also against the law. Um, one of the main components of aiding and abetting is uh, to uh, uh, you you're, you are charged with aiding and abetting if you aid, promote, or instigate in a crime's commission, uh, and you you willfully participate in the planning of a crime prior to its commission. Technically they're doing that by telling the police you can't go in there. Well, somebody got killed. Why can't we charge the mayor with aiding and abetting or or uh uh, uh You know, another physical crime because
0: of this. You know, look, what is what is a sanctuary city or sanctuary state policy? What is it? It is basically government aiding and abetting law breaking because we have federal laws and and they aid and abet criminals that should otherwise be turned over and and deported from this country. Even those that have committed violent crimes you know so i i mean i don't know any other way to put it you know if you look at the lawlessness that we've now laid out in detail throughout this whole show we'll have full a full accounting of this tonight on tv There's nobody else in the mob is going to do it you know they care about coronavirus but only if it's a rally and not a protest you know it's such hypocrisy quid pro quo, joe we'll ignore that zero experience hunter will ignore that hillary's dirty russian misinformation dossier will ignore that too that's going to wrap things up for today, 134 days till you are the ultimate jury. All right, Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, Ben Carson tonight, Geraldo Bungino, Mike uh, Huckabee, Ari Fleischer, and Larry Elder, and much more. 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News. See it tonight at 9. Hope you set your DVR back here tomorrow. Thank you for being with us.